1: The volume. It's the three and out podcast presented by FanDuel. The NBA season is kicking into gear, and there's no better place to get into the action than FanDuel. Awesome new and existing user promotions. America's number one sports book. Very easy to use, safe and secure. You get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started. Now sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff Three and Out Podcast. How are we doing? Beautiful. Actually, it's not as freezing cold, but Thursday afternoon. Got Tiger Woods on in the background. I got some football thoughts I'm about to fire out. And uh, here's here's the schedule for about the next week. We're going to do this podcast Friday. Then we will have, I think I'm going to do a go low podcast on Sunday night after Riv, especially if Tiger does well uh, for Monday. Then I'm going to do a mailbag only, probably unless there's some breaking news, podcast for Tuesday. You guys have fired in the DMs. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs. And then I'll just have probably a normal podcast come Friday. I got my brother, his family, my mom running an Airbnb there in town. So, you know, sometimes you got to spend a little time with the fam. Be a good guy. Can't just be like, you know, I got a podcast. Can't make it. But we're playing a little golf, having a good time. So hopefully everyone's uh, doing well and we will keep the content flowing. Obviously, free agency, the draft right around the corner. So can't stop, won't stop. Add John Middlecops the Instagram, fire in those DMs. You guys know the drill. If you listen on Colin's feed, make sure you subscribe to the three and out feed. Appreciate everyone that has. If you like the golf content, that's where the golf show, Golo, Golo, goes. I also have the Golo, at Golo pod is the Instagram if you want to get into that mailbag. try trying to separate it uh, so we just don't have the DMs be too crazy. And yeah, other than that, I don't think there's any housekeeping. The Volumes YouTube page, you can listen to us on AMP start pushing pushing merch I, I think I gotta I gotta dive into that we got some merch I'm gonna start I'm gonna start shoving down that down your guys throats but uh let, let's dive into the pod before we dive into football and there's a lot going on football wise in the national Football League can I tell you about my friends at game time here's what I need you to do go to your smartphone we all have one go to your app store download the game time app it's the fastest growing ticket website in America and when you do and you want to go to a game baseball game basketball game, a concert use the promo code john that's j-o-h-n and get twenty dollars off your first pair of tickets spring trainings coming to my backyard in a couple weeks pitchers and catchers are already reporting i bought a pair of tickets we go to dodgers giants a little promo code john j-o-h-n nba games ncaa tournament you ever been to the ncaa tournament it's freaking awesome It, it comes to it's a traveling circus all around the country so wherever you live Concerts? you want to go see your favorite act in, in, you know, live, use the promo code, John, J O H N at game time, download the app. Very, very easy to use. Catch your cover. Football's over now. So you got to get out, take your girlfriend, take your dad, take your son, take your daughter, go have a good time. Do it on me. If you're going to go to an event. Use the promo code, John, get $20 off. I thank you to everyone that has used it and will continue to use it. You guys are good people. <laughs> Let's start with Nick Sirianni and the Philadelphia Eagles, who, I got a little stat for you, became the first team to lose both coordinators since the 1994 San Francisco 49ers. My personal favorite team of all time. Mike Shanahan, Ray Rhodes. Mike Shanahan went to the Denver Broncos. Ray Rhodes went to the Eagles. And it was kind of, that was the end a little bit of the the Niners dynasty. They kept going to the playoffs, but they obviously never won a Super Bowl on that Walsh Seifert run. So it's not very often that a team loses both coordinators. When I saw that, I was like, "That it's been almost three decades for that to happen. It's pretty crazy. And listen, Nick Sirianni through two years has been wildly successful. When the Eagles hired him, and listen, the most overrated thing in any industry, yeah. it, regardless what your industry is, here's what I know. If you judge a coach based on their press conference, it's it's... Overall, pretty irrelevant, right? We have seen guys have bad press conferences, be great coaches, and guys great at the podium be terrible. Just because your opening press conference is good does not mean you're going to be a good head coach. And Sirianni has proved just because your press conference is god-awful does not mean you're going to be a bad head coach. But here's the thing. Sirianni did not call the offense or the defense. Obviously, he's an offensive head coach. But even last year, his play calling was stripped or he gave it away. I, I don't know the details. They've been, you know, a little bit cloak and dagger over the last period of time, how that actually happened. But Shane Steichen took the uh, took the reins, and they had a lot of success with Jalen over the last year and a half, especially this season. When you look at the NFC, unlike the, the AFC stacked, right? I mean, you got Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Patrick Mahomes, already a Hall of Famer, he's 27 years old. How is Joe Burrow not going to be a Hall of Famer? Josh Allen and Justin Herbert, their ceilings are so freaking high. Would anyone be stunned if Trevor Lawrence and Doug Peterson don't just start going to the playoffs every single year? We're not even accounting for Aaron Rodgers is probably getting traded within the division. And the Patriots, while they lack offensive firepower, they're clearly a pretty feisty team because of defense and special teams. And if the Miami Dolphins could ever just figure out the quarterback position, their team is pretty good. They have season in a completely different world. I haven't even talked about a guy that got $230 million who once was really good, and then he had some massage therapist issues. Last year was pretty terrible, and I give him a little bit of a pass. If he bounces back, the Browns could be really good. So when you look at the NFC, it stinks. There are three teams that, sitting here right now, February 16th, Thursday afternoon, if they were to not make the playoffs at the end of the 2023 season, it would be an utter royal disaster. It's the Philadelphia Eagles, the San Francisco 49ers, and the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think you can say that about any of the other teams. Now, for the most part, McCarthy, little turnover, right? Obviously, Kyle Shanahan lost his defensive coordinator. But when you lose both your offensive and defensive coordinator, it puts a lot of pressure on Nick Sirianni. And let's look at the other two teams. Kyle Shanahan now has lost multiple coordinators and been fine. Got to the NFC Championship game with different guys calling his defense. Mike McCarthy, I've been very critical of him, but the last two years won 24 games. And he has a long resume as a coach of being a successful guy. Now, we could argue how good he is, and I think that is wildly up for debate. But like his resume kind of speaks for itself. If his team is relatively healthy, they're going to go in the playoffs. Now, are they going to do anything in the playoffs? Probably not. <laughs> you know, that's not what the Dallas Cowboys do. They don't have success in the playoffs. But with Nick Sirianni, I actually think there's tangible pressure now on him to kind of prove, like, okay, this is the first, I wouldn't just say adversity, because last year they had an up and down year and they got bounced in the first round. But you lose a pretty devastating Super Bowl where you had a 10 point lead. And then it ends with you losing both of your coordinators. And I, you know, I don't know him personally. I know all the guys in Philly really like him. Sometimes doing the Bash Brother thing in the middle of the Super Bowl, it's like, come on, bro! Like you're not even fucking calling the place. You, you just challenge and say when to go for two. And really, are you saying when to go for two, or someone your ear saying it? But I think it's like now we're gonna find out because regardless of some of these free agents they have, they still have the tenth overall pick. They still have a nucleus of guys who are really freaking good. And like I said. Like the Cowboys and the Niners are play are minimum playoffs are bust next season. You can't say that about the Giants. They, we don't even know who their quarterback is. You can't say that about. Think about the other playoff teams, right? Can't say that about Tampa. I mean, Tampa. Sorry, bye bye Tom Brady, bye bye the playoffs. You know the Packers. Aaron Rodgers not going to be there anymore. The Lions, who are they, can't say that. So the Minnesota Vikings, their defense is horrendous. If you tell me next year they lose all those one point games and they're a nine-win team again, I think that's very believable. So I'm very fascinated to watch this Nick Sirianni situation just with some legit pressure now on him, the bullseye on his back, how he handles it. Because they got to be a little bit of, I wouldn't say the underdog, because as the season went on, it was clear they were one of the better teams. But now there's like tangible pressure. Like, Can you rattle off another 13-win season? Can you do this? Can you just replace your two coordinators and not skip a beat? We're about to find out one story I saw this week. And listen, sometimes depending on where the story comes from, we judge the merit of that story. And that's that's fine. And I understand every one of us have different relationships with different people in the media, quote unquote, reporters, right? If they have put things out there that piss you off about your team or they've been wrong, it's part of the business. But Jason Lockenfora, you know, you can say has a checkered history with some of the things that he throws out there, said that there are GMs in the league who believe the Chicago Bears are going to trade Justin Fields. One thing that bothers me a lot in pro sports is when a story comes out that so-and-so team or so-and-so free agent is having talks with whoever. Right, They have met with these three teams. Like, bullshit, they already have a quarterback. Why would they talk to him? The business these people are in are talking to everyone and uncovering everything. That is their job as a GM, especially when you're on a terrible team. And right now, the Chicago Bears, and let me preface it by saying this, I am not anti-Justin Fields. I love Justin Fields coming out. I thought he was clearly the second best prospect in his draft behind Trevor Lawrence. I thought he was in a different universe than Mac, Trey Lance, and Zach Wilson. Somehow Trey Lance and Zach Wilson went above him. I, I think that's crazy. But here's a reality. What you think about someone coming out of college and then what you think about them a couple years later, it should change. I, I never understand on the internet why people are like, that take age poorly. Well, yeah, I said it six months ago. Things have changed. I have 80 grand into a couple stocks that are now worth about 20 You think I would like to invest my money in different places if I knew where it was going? Of course I would. like, welcome to life. These these things are fluid. Now, I'm not anti-Justin Fields because I always bet on big, strong guys with big arms who, when I know, because I don't know these guys, but I lean on my scouting buddies that go, high character guy, hard worker. I heard positive things, so I think I bet on those guys to improve. But not everyone is just on a... They're going to turn into Josh Allen. Like I'm intrigued by Will Levis, but part of what made Josh Allen was these intrinsic characteristics of drive, determination, work ethic that he just keeps chopping wood. He just keeps swinging. When you're not looking, like right now, he's working out or throwing. I don't actually know if he is, but the only way you improved the levels in which he improved the first couple years were doing the dirty work. Right. The reason Patrick Mahomes keeps getting better is because he works right now. Well, not actually right now. He's probably hung over because they had their parade yesterday, but when you're not looking, when we don't have the TV cameras on them, when the season is not going. Like the reason Brady and Manning. So part of why I bet on Justin Fields because I thought he could become a top, you know, 15-ish passer. And then when you have that level of arm strength and you have that athleticism, you can become a top 10 player. But so far through a couple years, I I think that's very much up for debate. Now, in fairness to him, the Bears made a horrific trade this year. They traded their second-round pick for Chase Claypool. That's awful business. And the easiest trade the Pittsburgh Steelers will ever make. But I do not fault Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, I got you Bears fans, for doing their due diligence. Because part of their job, when you suck, is to look at every single avenue of what are our options that that's the business they're in this isn't about feelings this is about doing what's best for the team now is there a quarterback in this draft who you believe is going to be better than justin fields because if there is you 100 trade him because right now justin fields because he's on his rookie contract and his value because of all these moving parts what if lamar jackson is traded well, wouldn't he make immediately a lot of sense for the Ravens? Immediately. What if other GMs that just took over, let's say, or other GMs that have put, you know, opportunity at quarterback, Seattle, the Giants, once upon a time, love Justin Fields. What if Brian Dayball was like, I've always been very, very intrigued. What if they would trade you a first round pick? Maybe two twos and a three. Like, you're not getting multiple ones for a guy who has questions throwing the ball. But let's even reverse it. When the season ended, they asked Ryan Poles, what does Justin Fields need to work on? He said, throwing. Like, I'm sorry. Like, after that comment, I take it that trading him once they have the number one overall pick is definitely on the table. So get ready, these rumors, whether they actually have merit, this specific one, like GMs believe he's going to get traded, it's coming. They are going to have conversations. One, they wouldn't be doing their job. Like He's not Trevor Lawrence or Andrew Luck, right? How, how many quarterbacks truly, if someone's like, hey, I'm interested in Dak Prescott. I'm interested in Kyler Murray. I'm interested in Kirk Cousins. You don't think those teams are just going to have a conversation? Now, if you call me and say, hey, I'm interested in Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, you know, Trevor Lawrence, it's an immediate hang-up, right? Jalen Hurts, hang up, because I'm not upgrading. But most quarterbacks, after 7-8, you're having the conversation, especially with a guy who just was a quarterback who you can say what you want about his offense, and listen, it was more than questionable, but his GM doesn't think he's good at throwing. So regardless what me or you think, the guy that runs the team who did not drafting. Draft him, thinks that's an area that he needs to improve. Just keep an eye on that. <laughs> I'm sorry. that That is, if I was a betting man, I would bet on him getting traded. I, I would put it at 51-49 that he would get traded. If there were better quarterbacks in this draft, I'd put it at like 90-10. If Caleb Williams and Drake May, if it was next year's class, it'd be a lock you trade him. You could argue like, you know, Bryce Young, small in Chicago, but he's a better player than Justin Fields. Like I like Bryce Young coming out of college more than Justin Fields. I don't even think it's close. But I like Justin Fields' size and athleticism and speed more. But ultimately, if speed and power is your best attribute at quarterback, not ideal, right? Ultimately, why Lamar Jackson you know, we thought we kind of started buying into him after he won the MVP, started
0: throwing it much better. Something to keep an eye on. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
1: When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. They help you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N. That's linkedin.com slash J-O-H-N to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
2: Looking to get more out of the NBA season? Well, now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. The promo code is always Colin. FanDuel has tons of betting options. I like the same game parlay. Bet a little, win a lot. FanDuel's app is safe, secure, easy to use, and you get paid your winnings really fast. The no-sweat first bet up to 1000 bucks. Promo code Colin. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel an official sports betting partner of the NBA. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, and Louisiana p e n y or text h o p e n y four six seven three six nine in new york tennessee red line one 800 889 tennessee visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in west
1: virginia i saw this tweet i, I don't usually do this but it kind of got me worked up because we saw jonathan gannon got the arizona cardinals job and shane steichen the uh the 2002 Sacramento B high school player of the year. I always root for guys from Northern California, though when you Google Shane Steichen, or you just look at his introductory press conference, I am older than I was born in 1984. He was born in 1985, but he's kind of got this like 2010 Nick Cage look where his hair's receding. Looks like he hasn't seen that much sun lately. He definitely doesn't eat that much tall, skinny. He looks much closer to 50 than he does 37. Looks very old for 37. Jonathan Gannon, on the other hand, looks his age. He's 40. You know, good looking, also receding hairline, but looks much younger. Now, Shane Steichen, from a head coaching perspective, was the play caller and definitely the guy that helped Jalen Hurts become an MVP candidate. Not debatable. When you're the offensive coordinator for a guy who sucks two years ago and then becomes an MVP candidate by the end of your run, you get a lot of credit and rightfully so. Jonathan Gannon, on the other hand, just got absolutely clowned in the Super Bowl. Though no, I don't even judge him for that. A lot of great coaches have had devastating moments, especially young ones in the Super Bowl as a coordinator versus coordinator, right? Kyle Shanahan has had it. Sean McVay had it against Bill Belichick. Of course, Andy Reid is going to work Jonathan Gannon. Like, that's not surprising to me. But overall, and I, people in Philly, love Jonathan Gann. Great guy, great leader. Like he has the characteristics you're looking for in a coach. And this leads me to the tweet that I saw from this guy Coach Lampkin. I you, you Google his bio. He's just a small school coach, but his tweets pretty interesting cuz this is a conversation that's had a lot. Why is it that in the football world, we're under the impression that calling pro, calling plays is a prerequisite to becoming a head coach. The roles are all caps, completely different and almost unrelated. While there is some truth to that, being the head coach is about much more than calling plays. Find me a lot of high, high high-end head coaches or guys that we consider top five head coaches who aren't masters of their domain. The two best coaches of my adult life, Bill Belichick, Andy Reid. Bill Belichick's the greatest defensive coordinator in the history of the league. His defensive game plan against the mid 80s, Bill Walsh, Joe Montana, 49ers is literally in the Hall of Fame Bill Belichick, who has his hands all over that defense. They have been consistently sweet on defense for 20 years. And Andy Reid, who has gone back and forth calling plays over his career, we can't really argue is kind of the modern day Bill Walsh or Mike Holmgren, right? And Mike Holmgren was obviously Andy's mentor. Now, you can go to the next rung of guys, especially younger coaches. Think about some of the better, younger coaches. Because it's not arguable to be a head coach. You have to have leadership skills. You have to be able to handle everything. You don't just have to worry about third down offense or defense. You have to worry about when your backup special teamer gets a DUI. When, you know, the star tight end has a pregnancy issue with his wife the star linebackers having contractual issues. That's on you. But as I talked to a buddy earlier this season, we talked about Urban Meyer. And ultimately, the reason Urban Meyer failed. Now, you could argue his leadership style did not translate to the NFL like it did college because you have guys on your team, one, who are as accomplished as you, and two, make as much money as you. That Urban was not a schematic guy. And having been in an NFL office Monday through Saturday, Well, that stuff handles in the coaching, the head coach's office deals with some of the bullshit that's going on with your team or just craziness or things out of everyone's control. He's also working with his coaches to devise a game plan. We often say that the NFL is chess because it is. It's me thinking against you. We all got good players. Some, obviously, some teams have better players than others. But for the most part, 80% of the league has relatively equal talent. It's a thinking man sport. And think about the better young coaches. Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, both have a direct impact on their game because they're the play caller. Both have proven to be very good leaders. Think about some of the older coaches. Pete Carroll, 71 years old. The guy created a defense that everyone copied when they became head coaches under his umbrella. So you ha- being a being a leader and being as the head coach, whether it's, High level college or the NFL is uh, it's a prerequisite. Like that's the price of admission. But if you are not a very very talented schematic guy on your side of the ball, you don't have to understand the whole landscape, right? Most offensive coaches aren't great defensive coaches, this is why they put a lot of effort in hiring the right defensive coach and vice versa. I hear a lot of people tweeted at me because I reacted to this, Mike Tomlin. Well, think about this. Since he's been the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, a defensive guy. Now, you could argue he went to a defensive organization. They're always good on defense. You like, Well, they had Dick LeBeau. Well, they've been good on defense since. I couldn't even tell you. I mean, I know if you're a Steeler fan, you know who it is. I don't know off the top of my head who their defensive coordinator is. But over the last several years, when I watched the Pittsburgh Steelers, they are good on defense. So you get credit for that. Why? Because you set the tone for the organization and clearly the tone in that organization from a defensive head coach is high level defense now do i think during every single week he is dialing up third down defenses or second down pressures of course not but his team reflects him john harbaugh same thing they have both those two guys benefit from good organizations but their teams for the most part reflect those two guys So when I see Jonathan Gannon, like ultimately I get why the Colts hire Shane Steichen. I'm betting on his qualities, but he's also, he can impact the game. He better be calling plays. That's why I hired him. When I see Jonathan Gannon, good leader, but his defense, like if you're an Eagles fan listening to this, every single time that I talk to someone, it was like the defense isn't good enough. Now I know their front four is really good. Well, let's face it. Me or you could coach Hassan Reddick, Hargraves, Sweat, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, like defense, especially the front. Like if I got Aaron Donald, Miles Garrett, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, Micah Parsons, I'm going to create pressure. The back end, the most complicated part of the sport by a mile, whether you're an evaluator, whether you're a coach, coverage, matching up coverages against Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, Sean Payton, week in, week out. These offensive coordinators are fucking working 20 hours a week or 20 hours a day, and they have the advantage because they know the play call. You do not. Your guys are reacting. So having the ability to dial up coverages and adapt all game long in the second half, he just wouldn't do anything. Like, bro, you got to throw a blitz. You got to have some different pitches. So yeah, he might be a really good leader, but watching him from a schematic standpoint, wasn't that impressed. And this gets back to the tweet, like, I can't hire a coach just because he's a good leader. Or just because he's a good schematic guy. I need you to be both. This is the NFL. Like Andy Reid, great leader, great scheme guy. Bill Belichick, great leader, great scheme guy. Mike Vrabel, clearly a great scheme guy. His defenses are always sweet, great leader. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, like let's just go around. You gotta be able to do both. College, you can get away with it, right? If you're an elite recruiter, you don't have to be a great scheme guy. In the NFL, you cannot avoid it. Like ultimately, if the Lions are going to take a step, and go from that kind of that threshold they're at right now to be an 11 win team. They're a good example because Dan Campbell is a guy that I'm rooting for. But if he's going to be Mike Vrabel of the NFC schematically, is where they're going to have to separate. They're going to have to be better on defense. They're going to have to maintain on offense. Can he do that? Can he do that? We're gonna we're gonna find out. And next year, if they do and they lose Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator, can they sustain Because I, I watch good coaches lose coach after coach. Andy Reid's been losing coaches for 20 years. Never skips a beat. Wins every year. Belichick loses coaches in their heyday all the time. It's like, whatever. Like, part of the deal. Walsh, all the time. Pete Carroll. Like, can you maintain it? That's why when I hire a head coach, that's what I'm looking for. The total package. Just like a quarterback. I can't have a slapdick quarterback. It doesn't play. Look at all the top quarterbacks. All high-level guys and high-level players. When you've got some questionable character, you know, you create problems immediately. Look at the guys who have. Ask the Arizona Cardinals and Cleveland Browns. Do they feel great about their guy right now? I got news for you. They don't. The Super Bowl. Had 100... At one point in time, I think 119 million people watching. That might have been during the halftime. I think average like 113, 114 million people. Third most watched program in the history of America. Uh, I, I think a lot of like... You know, people around the business side of it have been saying forever, it's the greatest. You know, it's the most made-for-television sport we've ever had and will ever have, and and I agree. But I've said for years, one of it's because now, like football, doesn't have anything in common with basketball or baseball, absolutely nothing. Like the NBA Finals was struggling to get thirteen million people to watch. That's when it was the Warriors and the Celtics. Flag football, Pro Bowl got six million people. The World Series ratings have been really down for the last decade. Now, I like both those two sports, especially in the playoffs. But the overall masses don't anymore. It's not a debatable topic. That, that's a fact. Now, thirteen million people, ten million people is still more than the majority of program. But when it comes to football, it's not, they're not they have nothing in common. A random good NFL game on a given weekend, Sunday, Thursday, Monday Night Football, is doing 15 to 20 million people watching. So like the Amazon, which is still, I guess, somewhat niche because you had to stream it, I think averaged like 10 million people watching. So when you look at the Super Bowl, football, I've said forever, this is not going to last all my life, right? Because when I was a kid, or I'm not even a kid, when I was born in the mid-80s, The number one sport in America was baseball and had been for a long period of time. And then society changed and they kind of got left behind. The NBA in the 90s, it couldn't have been bigger. Michael Jordan had the NBA as big as the NFL. It was fucking massive. 20 years later, no one plays. Clearly some political stuff, a lot of different variables. It's not even close to as popular under Adam Silver's watch since 2014. They've lost half their audience and the NFL. One of its greatest attributes when you can all the BS on the, on the outside of just talking about sports, it's once a week. It's the easiest thing to consume, right? Baseball is every single day. There's going to be a game in early June whether you're a Yankee fan, whether you're a Cardinal fan, or you're a Dodger fan, I got news for you. It does not matter. In the NBA, star players literally skip just 10, 15 games because, ah, feel like it, kind of tired. The sports scientist said, like, take it off, be good for you. I feel fine, but they, they say just take time. In football, the best player of his generation, now it was a playoff game, screamed at his head coach, I'm not leaving. And think about this as a football fan, whether you like the Texans, whether you like the Vikings, or whether you like the 49ers. When you pay for a ticket to a regular season game, and every game in football matters, you know for a fact that if a guy can play, if he's 80%, he's playing. And if he's not playing that given week, you're never mad because you know, yeah, he's really hurt, man. Can't walk. Can't move. Shoulder wouldn't work. Yet you go to these other sports like, well, I just needed a day off. They played 17 straight days in baseball. We had to give him a day. Very understandable. He's a catcher. He's tired. In basketball, you're like, I bought tickets to watch Steph Curry play Giannis. Like, oh, they're both sitting tonight. Not Giannis. He actually plays a lot, but the Warriors. And then Steve Kerr will be like, you know, it's the shitty part of the business. Shitty part of the business? You mean you guys not playing your guys for the consumer? And football is the most consumer friendly sport by a country mile. It's the easiest to consume. It only takes, if, If you just want to watch your team, three hours a week. And two, from a standpoint of, you know that your team and your coaches, now they might not be good and your coaches might not be a high-level coach, but he truly cares. And they're doing everything humanly possible every single week to play. Think about that, just to play. Part of baseball, I actually think they do play pretty hard. It's just too much. Like I can't watch every game. What's crazy is at 38 years old, I used to watch in my 20s, and probably even my early 30s, the amount of basketball and baseball games, as well as the same amount of football I watch now, it's just humanly impossible. The moment you get to your mid-30s, your 40s, you have kids, you have other responsibilities, you can't consume that much. And then the moment you realize, like, it's not even worth it. Like, What am I watching this for? And then the curveball is the gambling. There is no sport to gamble like football. So I think football, listen, is this going to last for 30 more years? I don't know. I, I can't tell you that. But I think this next decade, you know, the, the 2020s is going to be, continue to be massive. So I, I would bet in the short term, the next five to seven years to just maintain these numbers. Now, I don't ever think these other sports are going to get booms, but I think football is going to continue to separate from them because I actually think they're going to keep struggling to get people to watch them because it just doesn't matter. When you turn on Thursday night football, you know that game week six against the Giants and the Eagles matters. Hell, Texans and the Jags it matters. The Niners and the every there's not a matchup you can't convince yourself that it doesn't matter. Even at the end of the season, that Bears game, that Texans game, they mattered for draft position. The other sports just do not have that. You you can't. Most people don't even know. Like, do you know how Major League Baseball the drafting works? It, it's it's not. It's based on record, not actually. Like, I remember the Giants one year. Made the playoffs, but they still drafted a little higher. Now I'm confused. I don't, I don't want to screw this up, but it's it's just confusing. You know, nothing's confusing about the NFL. Every game matters. You know, every team when the season starts, 80 percent of them feel like they have a chance to make the playoffs, and uh, and yeah, football's got a really really good thing going. A couple other quick things. I read a story that Greg Olson, because a lot of people have been saying, you know, Greg Olson was pretty outspoken about how he wanted to keep the number one overall seat. And, you know, there's a short list of guys, right? Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan. uh, Tom Brady, that if they wanted a role in the media, whoever had that seat immediately gets fired and or immediately gets, you know, demoted. And Tom Brady is just at that level. Is Tom Brady going to be good at calling football? I got no clue. I, I don't. I, was, I, I knew for a fact Drew Brees was not going to be good. He, no chance. <laughs> Absolutely none. I, I had a pretty good feel for this. I, I, I shorted that stock immediately. last lasted a year. Tom Brady, I, I don't have a great feel because he's so competitive. Clearly being a great teammate, like he could be a guy's guy, but sometimes when the camera's on, he can be kind of stiff. I, I would probably lean it, he'll under-deliver, but I'm not going to make a living betting against Tom Brady. But if I ran the network, under no circumstances, Greg, you can say whatever you want, and I get you got, you're good, you're you're fine, you're solid, but you're getting demoted for Tom Brady. But the reason Greg Olson has been so outspoken is his salary as the number one overall guy is $10 million, rightfully so. Number one guy, Fox, doing 20, 30 million people watching all of your games during the regular season, let alone playoff games. It goes down if he goes to number two. Still good living. Still, you know, a number that 99.9% of people in this world, let alone America, would gladly take the job to $3 million. So the difference of them hiring Tom Brady is going to cost Greg Olson $7 million. I get it. I I do. But it's, it's the easiest move they'll ever make. Now, is Tom Brady just sitting in the seat forever if he sucks? Of course not. But... He's definitely sitting in the seat. (laughs) You know, it's just welcome to the reality of Tom Brady being one of the most famous people of my life. Uh, Another guy that I would have guessed would have been pretty good on TV, yet whenever I watched him was terrible. Now, I'm not a big pregame show guy. They they don't really do anything for me. Uh, I, I like college game day, but I don't watch for the analysis. I watch more for the entertainment. On Sunday morning, you know, I I try to get a workout or whatever, because I'm gonna sit on the couch for the next 12 hours. So I like I'm not one to watch. I I don't need you breaking down the games. I just don't really care. And I just don't find the shows that good. Too many people, too many people talking. Whenever I saw Rex Ryan on TV, I always thought to myself, God, he kind of sucks because he was this massive personality. He would talk a lot of shit, but I just I, I didn't see it. Now, he's been out of the game for a while on television. Rumors are based on the interweb, that he is a could very well be the next defensive coordinator for Sean Payton in the Denver Broncos. That would be cool. Because I think some guys, like Sean Payton was good on TV. The NFL's better with Sean Payton in football, coaching. Just like Sean McVay. Would Sean McVay be good on TV? Probably. But the NFL is better off with Sean McVay coaching in the league, especially if his team's good. One thing, watching Rex Ryan, the NFL would be better with Rex in the NFL, not on some studio show that a million people are watching and he never says anything that matters. So I hope Rex Ryan is the next defensive coordinator. I think that would be exciting. And that'd be a lot of ego in one operation, you know, buckle up, Russ, because you no longer are the big dog. (laughs) You know, there's some big names and I don't think they're going to give a shit about your feelings. Uh, Vance Joseph also talked to the Broncos about the defensive coordinator. Uh, the Eagles have reached out to Vance Joseph about being the defensive coordinator. I- I'm pretty fascinated. I think he'll definitely get a defensive coordinator job. He's well-respected, well-liked around the league. And I've said it forever, a guy like him, the best part about the NFL, it is a great spot to be a number two because a lot like Wall Street and venture capital, if you're the number two in some industries, pays hundred grand, pays two hundred grand. In football, defensive coordinators are now making, a guy like Vance Joseph, $3 million. Do you know what Vic Fangio just signed for? My guess would be $5 million a year. $5.5 million dollars a year. That's what these type of guys are making. Remember Josh McDaniels years ago when he stayed with the Colts was making 4 to $4.5 million dollars a year. It's not a bad gig to be the number two. Pays very, very well. You don't have to talk to the media as much. You don't have to take the take the hits. You just kind of get to ride shotgun and make a lot of coin. Last but not least, Calvin Ridley. One thing to keep an eye on the Jacksonville Jacks is because clearly they need to improve some of the offensive weaponry. Chris and Kirk had a really good season. Calvin Ridley has just, I think, filed for a reinstatement. Um, be probably the first, I, would, I wouldn't I would say last, but the last for a while, guy involved in gambling to get suspended. And, you know, if you're going to get suspended, getting suspended for a parlay, that, that sucks because there's no chance that he won that parlay, especially his was like an 11-team parlay. Uh, so he's going to come back well rested. Remember a couple years ago, not only was he really good when there were talks about like, you know, the Falcons could be interesting. The Eagles before they got AJ Brown offered a, a first round pick for Calvin Ridley. Like people, this guy's very, very talented. Uh, I, I think he could be a huge boost and, uh, let it be a life lesson to you. If you're in the NFL, if you're going to go out, don't do an 11 team parlay, just bet the house on Patrick Mahomes. Appreciate everyone listening. Talk to you guys soon. The
0: volume.